And we're live. So hello, everybody, and welcome today to my most amazing guest. It's Odette Woods, who I'm just trying to remember all that you do to, to tell everybody, to give you a proper introduction. So I know that you are positivity queen, a published <laughs> author of some amazing books, I have to say, really amazing books, uh, transformation coach, inspirational speaker and opera diva randomly yeah. thrown in there absolutely amazing all of the different things that you do and the energy and everything that you bring to your work so where would you like to start right jack with you robin you're inspiring to me it's such a privilege to be joining you today honestly and you uh you're my second interview uh live live streaming so i'm, I'm delighted it's you today <laughs> So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Odette Woods? Well, you know, Odette Woods is a fiction. <laughs> now, you're going to, to be able to understand that, you're going to have to look up Angela de la Vie, The Angel of Life, my, my just recently published book, because that's not a, a, an answer anybody can easily comprehend, I imagine. But, but what I'm referring to in that is it's the story of me but that's not who I am. Does that make any sense to you? It does to me because I'm passionate about being who we really are and that yeah. whole journey to discover and uncover and reconnect with that. And it's who we are beyond identity. You know, like you have a passport in your life and it's your story. This is who I am. My name is this, I was born here. My father's this, my mother's this, I went to school here. Like we have a story that we tell and this is me. And that's not you at all. And it's like <laughs> really a lot of what I'm about is helping people wake up to who we really are underneath all of that facade and that invention and that programming. Who we are as divine embodiments of love, really. Who we are as spiritual beings having a physical existence. So how else can I answer that? If you ask me what have I done, that might be easier. <laughs> Except that that's, that's also part of the labeling. And I love that I it's know. difficult to answer that question. Who yeah. are you? Because the easy thing is to say, well, I am you know, a wife, a mother, or a sister, or whatever. Yeah. And I do X, Y, Z. But like you say, that's not who you are. Who you are is so much deeper, more profound, more expansive than any of those labels. You know, we are embodied love. But how many people think of themselves in that way? And if you think about it, really, a lot of what's going on in the world is people being disconnected from that truth of really relating to themselves as their limited conversations about themselves or their programmed negative beliefs about themselves. You know, all the attachment we have to how we look, I, you know, we all fall uh, into that category. Everybody has some aspect of identifying with the appearance of who you are, um, but it limits what's possible for us. And it usually keeps us uh, identified with something which limits us and is fear-based. And so for me, really, uh, really, I, I remember years ago, I read Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, years and years and years ago. I was one of the first to read them. I remember him making a really simple prescription. You're either coming from love or fear. And that's such a great distinction. 
Because in any moment, in any circumstance, you can ask, who am I being? Am I being love or am I being fear? That's like to make life really simple. Because when you're, when you're attaching yourself to fear, then you're in ego, you're in your identity, you're in your limited self, you're, you're in your programming. And when you identify yourself as love, as part of God, as like a, a, a spark of the divine, then you tap into your limitless self and you can actually live free from fear. This is, this is the prescription. You can live free from fear. It's really simple. It's just the mind that attaches us and we use language in a particular way as well. Language limits. Language it, uh, it categorizes and limits who we are and we are declaring who we are throughout the day every day and limiting our very experience by uh, by making declarations unconsciously most often as to who we are and and then we're recreating that belief and so you know by the laws of attraction which most people know about uh, you know, like attracts like. And so you're actually recreating that which you want to disconnect from, which is, you know, uh, your limited self. So, you know, this is really important, particularly now, if you look at what's going on in the world, there's just like a terror all around us of death. And um, that was one of the reasons I wrote this book, Angelo de la Vie, uh, to help people waken up to the illusion of death. Because most people think that, um, you know, that when the body dies, that you die too. You know, and I have like 30 years experience of working with people undergoing cancer treatments and, and people, particularly at the end of life, actually helping people transition from the physical to the non-physical, leaving the body in what everybody calls death. And um, it's such, it, unless obviously there's a um, something untoward going on, such as a violent death or whatever, but Otherwise, it's, a, it's just a peaceful transition and can be so when you live in surrender. And, you know, the thing that really intrigues me is how we all live with the illusion that we have control in life in the first place. <laughs> really. And it's like that's, that's like what the mind tells us, that you, you are in control. And so we desperately try to be in control when, in fact, you cannot be in control. Who breathes your breath? Who keeps your heart beating? <laughs> you know, the body works on its it works on its own, but from a, a, a sort of um, a divine intervention, really. You know, and we can only know ourselves in this body as long as we are breathing, and then you leave the body, and maybe you come back in another body. And so because we have what I call in the book, the veil of, uh, of forgetting and the veil of remembering, uh, each time we come back, like starting from scratch again, forgetting what we'd learned before, but with an inner wisdom, which if we tap in, you know this, if we tap into uh, who we really are on the inside and remove our, uh, remove our, our attention from the external world, and begin to tap into our internal world, then we make contact with who we really are and live a different life. And you start playing the real game of life then. And you know, for me, the whole world is playing the wrong game. 
It's like the game of accumulation, the game of, uh, I mean, it's insane, you know, trying to be famous, trying to be a celebrity, trying to be rich, trying to be happy. When we have all of that as our divine birthright in us right now, this moment, there's nowhere to get to. And that's the big illusion of the mind, uh, uh, that we have somewhere to get to someday other than here and now. And so the access to being here and now is our access to our truth. That was a long answer to one question, <laughs> I must. But it was such a wonderful answer. And I, I so agree with you that our words, although we think that they're giving us, you know, freedom of speech and all of these things, what they actually are doing is limiting us. And we're so unconscious of the words that we use so often. And we'll say things, I'm tired. You are not tired. You are feeling tired. You cannot, you know, it's, it's, if you are saying, I am tired, yeah. which is yeah. how we phrase it in English, then that's telling you in that way of reinforcement, that's who you are. That's your identification. Yeah. yeah. Because that is the way that language is actually working. And when we hear ourselves speak, rather than I'm feeling tired, which is a transitory thing. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to stay. Can, yeah. We can let it go. It can yeah, yeah. But if we say I am tired, we're identifying as tiredness almost. Yeah. And I believe that in a way. Yeah. You know? And I love that quote from Neil Donald Walsh about love and fear. And there's yeah. also the one that anytime we feel fear, it's because we have disconnected from love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just that always remembering it's like you said, going within, reconnecting with love. And that's what actually sets us free. And the game, yeah. like you were saying, of acquisition that we're so often playing is, is setting us up for failure in a way, isn't it? Because we will never, yeah. if we're focusing on that, we will never have enough. Because what's enough? Exactly. Versus knowing that we already have everything. And we already are everything. Yes. This is the thing, you know, like if the people of the world were to wake up now to realizing that uh, we cannot be harmed by anything external to us. Yes, the body can, but we cannot. And like to feel that power, to begin to step into the driving seat of your truth in that way, uh, I think will help the world to wake up and to rise up and shine and we'll be living in a different world and i think we're on the cusp of that at the moment and it's like uh, uh, there's there's such a contrast between um truth and non-truth in the world and uh, such a lack of integrity and it's all coming up like a giant pussy wound to <laughs> to be lanced so that Absolutely. then the wound can heal and so you know uh, uh, the worldly wound you know uh, needs to needs to heal for us to grow into a new way of of realizing ourselves really so we got to go through the stages yeah and i look at the body as it doesn't make mistakes so whatever yeah. we're experiencing whatever symptoms we're having it's just a message from the body and when we get sick or when we have pain it's just the body saying i need support or you know i've been holding all this stress and now i need to let it go and i think mm -hmm. that we're the same on all these different levels the micro to the macro so looking at the world as a whole even you know gaia as a living entity in herself but yeah. the way that society is, that's just another form of body. That's just another form. If we are think of 
of each person as a little cell as it would be in a body. So yes, we have these pussy boils that need to <laughs> burst, let out the toxins, and then the body can heal. So I think what we're going through at the moment is a form of that where yeah. there, the things that have not been serving us are being revealed. And they're not, it's not a comfortable process, but it is a healing process yeah. at the same time. You start living an adventure. It's interesting you say about you think of uh, everybody like a cell in the body. I, I've, I've thought that as well. I think we, every soul is a cell in the body of God. Yes. And uh, we are divine consciousness, thinking that we are people, that we are just uh, um, disempowered beings in a world where we have no choice and no control. And it's not true. We have all the power. We have the power to heal ourselves. You know, something, I don't know if I mentioned it in the books. I know you've read some of the books, but um, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a, a, a wonderful um, YouTube video with Greg Braden, wonderful Greg Braden. Um, he had cancer at one point and he went to a Chinese non-medicine hospital. And then he did a video showing people um, a woman with bladder cancer who was basically told that she had uh, very little time left to live. There was nothing else they could do for her. It was a very large tumor. I think it was three inches. And normally cancers are measured in centimeters and millimeters. So this woman was giving her walking papers. And uh, she went along to this Chinese non-medicine hospital in Beijing. And you can actually see on the YouTube video, you can see her lying down for an ultrasound. And we see in real time the video where you can see the tumor in front of you in real time. And then you see a snapshot of it. And, you, and then in walk a few people in white coats. Nobody's introduced. And they just, they don't touch her. They just stand around where she's lying. And they start making noises like, so this continues on for a few minutes. And in less than three minutes, that cancerous tumor has disappeared. It's incredible. And this is the power of intention aligned with a high vibration of consciousness, uh, just showing you the human potentiality to heal. I was so interested in that that I actually looked it up and I went and, and uh, took part in the training for that with a great uh, uh, Chinese master. Um, it's called Hun Yuan Shi Zhenen Zhigong. Uh, and his uh, partner in that, that's uh, um, Britta Stalling, uh, and they're doing amazing work. And, you know, this is just one example of many, many people all over the world who are taking back their power to self-heal and to self-medicate with nature's resources, and primarily food, food and medicines from nature. You know, so I know this is a particular area of interest for you as well. <laughs> I don't know what you know so far, but um, oh, yeah, this is what made me write my other. Uh, this is just an ebook, Cancer Diagnosis, mm. A New Way Forward. And I wrote that because I'd, I'd got so many years experience working with people who were given the devastating diagnosis of cancer. And to me, that's like literally saying you're dying. That's how people receive it. They don't receive it as you have a disease. They receive it as you will die. And that is the most powerful thought to take on as a reality. 
which then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So then you've got to undo that belief system. Um, and I just wanted people to have an opportunity to take a step back and to not be a reaction to fear and to take the time to, uh, to basically choose consciously what their plan of action would be. And there's so much in integrative health now that's available that there's real choice, even that the medical establishment is not fully aware of. However wonderful your doctors, they can't keep up with everything. Right. So there are choices people can know about now that are life affirming and life enhancing and that can even cause uh, remissions. I think I think you looked at that uh, ebook. Didn't I've read you? I've read that ebook, and it was yeah. one of the things that I was hoping to bring up today because yeah, I have learned about diagnostic shock. Mm -hmm. So for me, everything yeah. that happens in the body, if it leads to disease, is because of a shock that we've experienced. And in that yeah. moment of fight or flight and freeze, we create a belief. So that belief might be, I'm not good enough or I'm going to die, yeah. or whatever that belief might be, it serves us in that moment because it gets us through that freeze. But if we hold on to that belief, if we're not conscious of it and working to let it go, working to understand the learning behind it, so if it's mm. still there playing out in our beingness, then it will lead to disease because it's not a serving belief. It's not a belief that leads to life and fullness and all of yeah. that other stuff that we've been talking about. So if you have that diagnostic shock and you have that belief in that moment, I'm going to die, there yeah. needs to be a way to let that go or it will, like you say, become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And yeah. quite often they've done studies and discovered that if you go to the doctor who diagnoses cancer and gives you a prognosis, yeah. if you believe that prognosis, that is actually how long you will probably live there uh, or there that so many times uh and mm -hmm. i i think it's actually criminal to ever tell somebody you've got six weeks you've got three weeks you've got whatever because it takes at your most vulnerable time it takes an extraordinary degree of um courage and uh, I don't even know the right words, but but inner resources to bypass that prognosis. Um, and it becomes like a death warrant. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's like a death sentence. Uh, and I don't think you should ever take away people's hope uh, and also recognize with some humility that you do not have all the answers. And it's not man who decides when you go. <laughs> Sorry if that's a newsflash for people, but no man can know when is your time to leave the body. Uh, your soul knows on a subconscious level, but, but no human can tell you that. They can guess and they can have some degree of awareness, but... Uh, I think it's extraordinary what's happening. And I, I know I referred to um, Kelly Turner's Radical Remission book. Uh, and I mean, look that up and you will just see that there's extraordinary turnarounds where people even with grade four glioblastoma, astrocytoma, brain uh, cancers uh, that are like people co just considered to be very late stage and almost impossible to turn around have had complete remissions. Now you're not allowed to say anything as a cure we need a new integrative health word for cure, actually. What can we, yeah. what can we, we should think about it. We'll, we'll have to have a think about that. But it, we need a new paradigm, don't we? And no, unfortunately, we you were talking about 
the words and, and the kind of conditioning that we take on mm. around so many things, but particularly around a terminal diagnosis. And people want to know because they feel, I guess, so disempowered. So they want to know how long have I got left? And the family want to know how long have we got with our loved one? Yeah. And I think that's a shame in a way because of looking at it that way. I mean, none of us know when we're going to go consciously. Um, yeah. I could step out under a bus or something tomorrow. Um, so, yes, it, it's, it does give a gift when you know, when you understand that life is limited, our, our life in our physical body. And yeah. to treasure the time that we have, whether you've got a terminal diagnosis or not. So yeah, well, you see, this is think, why. Yeah, I think it's true, just such true. a shame that that we're conditioned and and we feel because of that lack of empowerment or something, fear, all of these things that we need to know. But that knowing becomes a believing, becomes a limitation, yeah. versus being able to surrender. I think you actually used that word before, and unfortunately. There are so many words in the English language that have many different connotations, mm -hmm. and some people think of surrender as being a giving up. Yeah, no, no, a, no. It's a giving up, allow, a giving allow. up the fight. Stop fighting. And yeah, just because all this fighting cancer is going against, yeah, it, it's the wrong attitude. You fight anything and you create a resistance in the body which enhances the thing you're trying to resist. So that's never a good idea. But you know, something I discovered as well is. Many people along the way, firstly, are not willing to change. Many people are not willing to do what it takes to live a healthy life. They want to hold on to their habits. Uh, they're locked into their habits. And I'm not judging anyone. But, um, you know, each action has a consequence. And even sometimes people, when given choice for a, a life-affirming, holistic approach, to disease would rather just do what they're told by the doctor uh, and, and, and literally will die for that rather than even look outside the box at what else is possible. And it's fear, that's fear. It's like well, wanting to trust we, the parent. We need, to look, we need to look at that mindset as well, don't we? It's yeah, not just, absolutely. oh, well, you, you don't want to, but why don't you want to? Yeah. If our soul is the spark of the divine, as you've said, and that means that we are life, we are love, we are breath. So that part of us wants to live because it is never going to die. I suppose it, yeah. it also knows that there is that truth. But <laughs> we got to get out close. <laughs> <laughs> but if we are that, then we would in from choosing from there choosing from love choosing from life choosing from that spark we would choose to be in our fullest power and yet something holds us stuck so for me it's exploring that as well what is the belief that you are running that makes you think i have to do what i'm told i have to do what i'm told i have to follow the doctor because the doctor knows we've given so much of our power away in that sense that's that's the egoic identity it's basically which you know is not a baddie but basically it's limited it's basically there to we think uh help us survive but it's resistant to change. And so you get locked in into your thinking um, and fearful of making change. And you know, 
you know, look around us. Uh, there's manifestations everywhere of people being afraid of change, afraid of stepping out, stepping up, stepping into their power, being accountable, being responsible, being a grown-up. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's the human condition, but it's like we're putting a lid on our own possibilities. But, you know, this is one of the reasons I wrote Angelo de la Vie as well, because what I witnessed with many people over many years, I have 30 years uh, of, of, of all of this, is, and, you know, people from uh, VIP celebrities and, you know, uh, people everybody would know uh, to ordinary people like us just doing our, our normal lives and um, trying to get through. What I discovered is that, you know, when you put anybody into their pajamas or into, <laughs> into a, a hospital gown, it's a great equalizer. And it's a good reminder that none of that really matters. And your health is your real wealth and you can't take anything else with you. So you really want to live a life true to something more important than just playing the game to uh, be successful or uh, wealthy. I mean, for many normal people, we're just kind of trying to survive rather than gain great wealth. But it's important then to detach from that whole song and dance act of life, the thing that keeps us busy all the time, to actually evaluate our human values, what really matters in this life and how we can live with a detachment from the song and dance and the noise and live more from a place of silence and peace within to then be able to navigate our way through all the noise with some power and purpose. Because, you know, we all came here with a particular and individual purpose and you kind of you lose the whole game if you don't live on purpose. So what everybody really should be fighting for is to discover their true purpose. And our purpose is to wake up. Our purpose is to know who we are. That's like, but each person has their own individual expression of that. And um, and and many times people arrive at their deathbed and they actually never even woke up in life, and they, they've missed the boat. And so I wanted people to be informed by what I'd learned with all of these people into seeing what really matters and putting that on the agenda of life. And that actually leads to living a really fulfilling life and a life of adventure, actually. Mm. Life, I love it. Every single day, I, I don't know what's coming, but I'm living in flow of whatever is coming was uniquely sent for me and that there's nothing ever wrong. Nothing ever goes wrong. It's always serving my soul's purpose. So when you're in the driving seat in that way, there's nothing to fear anymore. This is why I want everyone to read this book. I'm passionate about it. But tell me something. You read Angelo de la Vie. What was your take? I'd love to know. I haven't had a chance to hear. I love the bit where you say that Angelo, for a start, he's looking for a rebrand because yeah. Angelo we see or we have traditionally seen Angelo as the angel of death but he comes to say no I'm Angelo de la vie of life I am yes. the angel of uh, remembering and awakening and yeah. that to me was just encapsulates the whole message of the book so beautifully 
but the way that you've written it as a novel makes it so accessible and it just leads you on to read more and more and to see the human condition as well you've really yeah. uh, portrayed that in these kind of stories that have universal truths in them that we can all identify with even though it's various different people's experience and yeah. maybe I haven't had that particular experience and yet I can I can identify with something in that story I can identify yeah. with the humanness with the emotion and that that Angelo is just so there for us that he's not the grim reaper with the scythe and the yeah. hood and the cape but that he's quite a dapper man and well in your portrayal <laughs> and and Historically. he has a sense of humor and he's quite quirky and but really that his message is so fundamental that we are living in this illusion we're living in mara we need to our call is so i don't like need and must and should but yeah, our, yeah. Call, our invitation the offer is wake up enjoy the fun enjoy the adventure yeah. reconnect understand peel back whatever it is that's covering your eyes the eyes mm. of love that have kind of been hidden somewhere peel that off and see the reality and like you were saying life is an adventure every day is an adventure and i think sometimes when we've when we're in that mentality where I just have to do what I'm told and I want somebody to tell me what to do and I don't know what to do. Really yeah. deep down, and we connect yeah. absolutely, particularly at the moment. Yeah. But and when the instructions are changing all the time and everything is so uncertain and we don't know what's truth because we're getting experts who are telling us conflicting stories. The scientists are telling us conflicting stories. So yeah. if they don't know I mean, how can I possibly know? But deep down, we know what's true for us. And I think yeah. this time, it because the experts can't agree, is showing us as a collective that it doesn't have to come from the scientists. It doesn't have to be a truth that is proven because even that isn't necessarily true and it could change tomorrow. So what we need yeah. to do is tune in to what is true for me at my Absolutely. soul level. Absolutely. Instead of giving our power away and you choose for me and you tell me what to do, I will do from, but it needs to be from that soul level rather than just flippantly, oh, I think I should do this and I think I can get away with that or whatever. But really tuning into that deep stillness that you talked about, mm -hmm. letting it, letting the knowing, the wisdom, flow from there and living that and yeah. that from an egoic perspective is quite scary because there's no structure to it and where do I go what do I do so we resist <laughs> and yet yeah. when we're in there we realize that it is an adventure and it's that thing as well of anxiety versus excitement where they're actually quite similar things but anxiety is turned inward excitement is turned outward so yeah it's, it looks anxious from the perspective of ego. Uh, how can I cope without a structure and rules to follow? But when you're in there, you see, no, it's expansive. It's joyful. It's endless possibilities. It's, yeah. you know, all of these wonderful things. Like you say, adventure. I love that word. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you know, one of the things I mentioned in the book, I know you'll remember this, is a practice, like a simple practice for anybody who's watching now who could, because we're talking in terms of concepts a little bit and you need practices. And one very, very simple practice is uh, uh, using the word soul and hum for a breathing in and a breathing out. So like, like I'll show you just for a moment. So as you breathe in and hum as you breathe out. So, um, and what's happening when you do that? So obviously you don't have to say the words out loud. I'm just demonstrating. <laughs> but what you're breathing in is these words signify, they mean I am that. And by I am that, you're disidentifying from the mind and from the body and identifying with your own divine essence. I am that. So literally the practice is awakening that part of you that needs to uh, take charge by surrendering to the all that is, to God. Uh, and so you're using your breath, which if you think when a baby is born, life starts with a breath and life ends also with a breath. And so your breath is the access to your truth and the silence within that will put you in the driving seat to navigate regardless of global circumstance, regardless of diagnosis, regardless of anything that's happening on the outside, you can tap into inner peace in any moment. You know, because all problems exist in the mind. There are no problems. Your soul has no problems. There are no problems really in reality. There's just what's happening. And what's happening is a narrative. And we use words to create an empowering narrative or a disempowering narrative. But um, uh, I mean, people just need to go step by step according to where they're at. And not everybody can make an easy transition because uh, you know, people live in judgment a lot of the time and deciding is this good or bad, right or wrong in the world of duality. Um, and once you decide something is either or, unfortunately, you start gaining evidence to win your case. <laughs> and so you can't see anything else, just like you put a search term in the computer. Um, and Google Guru will tell us what it is we're looking for and send us a million files all to do with that and our mind is the same but actually there's an even better guru than google guru and that's our own internet the internet you know they talk now about the in internet of all things i think we need to tune into the internet of all things which is our true selves on the inside uh, and we actually access universal consciousness when we go into a peaceful state where we go beyond just individual consciousness of I, me, and mine. And, uh, and this is where we tap into universal peace. And actually, that's also the access to having peace in our world. Because the more people live from that space of um, inner knowing rather than outer thinking, <laughs> you know, the more we can become uh, the vibration of peace and love. You know, um, so yeah, that soham exercise is, is great. And at any point in any situation, you could just close your eyes and just think so as you're breathing in, think hum as you're breathing out and just try it. Try it and discover for yourself.
<laughs> great way of getting centered and grounded and reconnected. Yeah. yeah. Going back to your cancer book, what I loved about that was it was so, again, opening up those infinite potentials, whereas the uh, diagnosis might lock you down, thinking, yeah. that's it, my life ends there. Whereas reading your book, you begin to see, but whether it does or it doesn't isn't important. I have all of this potential. And yeah, if, you know, it could mean that I go into radical remission, but if it doesn't still, I, I can use my time to learn. And that's the adventure as well. And I love uh, like Stephen Hawkins with um, given his diagnosis and being told mm. two years left to live. And okay. he says him, he said himself that even though his body was in a wheelchair and he wasn't able to walk and everything, it freed his mind. So wow. I think that whatever we have going on in the external, we still have so much that we can do. And yeah. if it's that we go into remission and we start living in a physical sense to the full again, or if we find some other way, because there's so much more to life, like you were saying, the soul cannot be harmed. The body mm. might experience harm, but the soul can't har be harmed yeah. and it goes on forever. So there's so much that we can still do from that perspective. And I loved that your book on cancer opened that all up. Just reconnect with yourself, find out who you are. Live the only thing, thing I'd say about that is it's kind of, uh, it's a, uh, you know, it, it was the first one I wrote and I was actually, um, uh, giving a talk at uh, the Birmingham NEC at the time to oncologists th uh, who came to a convention for cancer uh, for in Europe, all the European doctors and oncologists and people in, involved in the cancer industry, you might say. <laughs> um, I was giving a talk there, uh, and the book is just a starting point because it's really a, it's an e-book and it's limited in that way. It was really just addressing the point of diagnosis. I've just written another little one, um, and that's basically Cancer Hopeline uh, for the carers to really help people who are the bystanders and the carers, the loving carers, either as family and loved ones or people who are involved in um, uh, professional care, in how to approach people with cancer. Because the one who has cancer is living with fear already and enormous vulnerability insecurity and subject to the opinions of others the ain't it awful club can show up oh i know somebody who had that cancer oh yeah she died poor thing all of this goes on. <laughs> and it's like all programming and uh i want people to be free of all of that but i must say as well though and this is relating to both of those particular books i'm not diminishing in any way the extraordinary challenges and particularly right now with COVID, um, I'm not saying that death isn't a terrible loss of the person. So I'm not saying any of that. You know, we all have attachments to people in our lives. You know, uh, I'm not saying that there isn't a terrible grieving loss. Uh, but when you realize that it's a, a transition rather than an ending, it can help that. So uh, there's no lack of compassion for people struggling with, with grief or with fear, but basically to be 
uh, embraced in the arms of love rather than running away from fear is a, a better position to be in, you know, so it's from that angle. Uh, but for people who are looking after somebody with cancer, they need support. And so I try to offer that to people, you know, in mentoring or whatever I'm doing with them, uh, workshops. But but really, people kind of need to be educated how to think differently. Um, and it's just the next level. It's just the next level. The world is opening up to new ways of relating and our consciousness is raising also or for some people. Um, and, you know, I think it's in a very exciting time. You know, it might look to external circumstances as though we're in a terrible time, but it's a time of, of great possibility and the potential for rebirth and reinvention and reformation of our beliefs and uh, expansion of our consciousness, upliftment of humanity, really. So it's like a precarious <laughs> tightrope walk sometimes. But I'm always like looking at uh, this is the truth that is going to be uh, born. So we got to go through stuff first. But, you know. Well, any birthing is challenging, isn't it? Labor pains. <laughs> yes. And I love the Chinese symbol for crisis is danger, but also opportunity. So yeah. it's like that whole thing of any cloud has a silver lining. If we can be open to that and just keep our eyes open and yeah. with the filter of there is an opportunity in here somewhere then <laughs> yeah you know we are, we are programming ourselves to see that rather than just to see the cloud and to know that behind yeah. all the clouds the blue sky is still there the sun is still there yeah yeah and it's not even about positivity actually it's no. about uh possibility Positivity, you know, like uh, positive thinking and all of that. I'm actually against some of that. I'm more about authenticity. So, you know, particularly with people dealing with cancer or any kind of disease, the social requirement seems to be to rise above it and uh, prove how heroic you are. And that can separate you from other people. And it can be a very lonely place where you've got to keep this mask of coping on. Uh, and inside there's a loneliness and a, a, an insecurity and a fear and isolation that comes with that. So I think the world is kind of waking up to a new authenticity as well, where uh, people are becoming jaded by inauthenticity and by manipulation. Uh, and anything that isn't true, we can feel it more acutely. Okay. And we move away from it. I think it's wonderful. This is wonderful. We're all sniffing out all those uh, charlatans <laughs> and the people who've been trying to pull the, the wool over our, our eyes. Uh, and we're becoming like, oh, wow, you know, you get to choose how you relate and you don't have to buy that. You don't have to believe what you're told. You actually get to evaluate. Yes. You know. And you get to weigh it up for yourself and what's true for you, because what's true for you might not be true for somebody else. What's true Absolutely. for them might not be true for you. But yeah. I love when you were talking about your next cancer book that's about supporting the carers or the mm. people who are around the person who has cancer. And yeah. I remember it's not the same, but I had Emmy years ago. And I think that my oh, mom really? suffered more than I did because I was kind of just there in my exhaustion. 
and just going through day to day and just going through the motions sort of thing or not going through the motions, just doing not very much at all. But my mum was the one who worried and mm. stressed and fretted yeah. and desperately tried to find something that would help me. So I think that many people who are in a caring role or in a family friends of the person with whatever the diagnosis might be are in that role. And like you say, they desperately need support as well. Yeah. And in your cancer book, I remember there was a part where you were talking kind of to the carers about what to say what's the right thing to say how do you support that person particularly if they decide that they don't want to go down the conventional treatment yeah. route yeah and because a lot of people might if their belief system is but that is what you must do you must have an operation you must have chemo you must have radiation. Yeah. but the person themselves is saying no i don't feel that that's right for me mm -hmm. and this is my choice and I just want you to support me in my choice. And they're desperately thinking, but that's not, you know, and you have that kind yeah. of opposition of views. So I think that carers need support in that as well. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a minefield, actually. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would often discover that, uh, you know, quite sad, really, to think that that many people arrive at the departure gate and they kind of like when you really listen to them with love, when you really listen with your heart, there's something transformational in that which frees people um, from the burden of never really being heard. Because this is one of the casualties of our fast paced life nowadays. Nobody really listens deeply to what's going on for other people. We're all just so busy. that, And this is why I love coaching. Because for me, coaching is giving another person the space to feel seen and heard and known on the deepest level. And when you are facilitating that, you know this yourself, when you're facilitating that, they get to hear themselves. And they get to access that part of themselves that they didn't maybe even know existed. And it's a kind of waking up. And to me, when you're on your deathbed, it's a little bit late to, you know, it's really sad that, that you can live life without that presence. Uh, because this is the gift, the greatest gift you can give anybody is the gift of your loving presence. And this is why I love coaching people. Uh, I love one-on-ones. Uh, I'm doing some group coaching, but I love one-on-ones because it's genuinely coming from loving service and knowing that basically each person is a mirror of ourselves. You know, we all have different forms, different accents, different appearances, different uh, nationalities, races, religions, whatever. But we're all basically the same because we are not that external uh, identification we are who we are on the inside, and that is oneness. And that oneness uh, gets connected in loving presence. So, yeah, I love coaching. And so, um, you know, what I'm balancing at the moment is uh, being available for coaching and writing and doing uh, public speaking. Uh, but I don't want to lose that connection to people because really, I'm sure you feel this, this the same, Robin. My desire is to help, to just to help, to love and to serve people and to, to be the difference 
that can help people find their way uh, free from fear, you know, and uh, yeah, to me, that's the greatest privilege. That's why I loved, you know, I, I was being an opera diva. I have, I sing opera and, and that was great, but it was like the world of the ego and pomp and fame and celebrity and people saying, aren't you wonderful? And that, that was, I love singing for, for its own expression, my own self-expression. But I found myself when I was like really taking care of people and listening to people going through this suffering. And I found that I wasn't there, that the I, the me was not there and the true me showed up. Yeah. And, and this is the gift as well that I'd love whoever happens to watch this video to see if you want to know who you are, serve others, help others. That's when you'll discover who you are really. And I had like 30 years particularly of, of experiencing that. And I really woke up to my own truth. And that's why I know it's so important as the gift for people to access that part of themselves. Because from then, once you've experienced your true self, it's easy then to tap into it. It's easier to tap into it, that truth. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> once you get to see it, and then you, you know that it's there for a start. Because yeah. if you've never seen it before, how can you trust that it really is there? If you're going to take that leap out of ego, where am I going to land? Is yeah. there anything there? And so there's nothing to see either. It's not seeing, is it? No, it's being. It's being. It's so if, being. You have, mm, if you have somebody there who can listen and hear and reflect and all of those things and mm. show you who you really are, that you are there, that you are magnificent. And like you say in coaching, it that is the gift that is the the miracle moment when somebody suddenly sees themselves as who they really are and are quite shocked almost in a wonderful way oh that's that's who i really am it's there i'm real i'm you know you can see me you can hear me all of those things and i think going back to you were saying about the deathbed where somebody maybe suddenly because they are in that moment of just letting go and allowing that they can express who they really are and be seen and be heard for that and sometimes you know the the lack of being able to do that earlier on is as you say so sad and i think again probably due to fear we're afraid on so many levels and i've heard so many times mm -hmm. about people who they know that they're dying, but they don't want their family to know, thinking yeah. that their family don't probably already know, which they might do, but they don't want their family to worry. So they don't talk about their own stuff, you know, like you were saying, they hold all of that in. And the family are probably doing the same. We, we don't want the doctors to tell them that they're dying because that would be too upsetting for them. So we will just carry that burden, but the burden is doubled yeah. because they're both trying to hide it from each other. Conspiracy of yeah. Yeah, and then when they can mm. actually on the last, on the deathbed maybe when it's obvious to everybody, then they can open up. And some people, they realize, no. some people die with, you know, uh, with their uh, songs still in them. Many, many do. Many fight to the bitter end to hold on to their identity. And, you know, so you need to understand there's no judgment from my point of view. I just, I just find it sad because... When love comes to meet you, if you're still in chains and you can't find your way out, it's 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 a, a sad thing. 
you know, it, it's a sad thing that that you cannot know the truth of who you are in this physical body, in this in incarnation, in this lifetime. You know, but and I think um, that's when you're talking about helping. I think that's what I most want to be able to support yeah. people in finding to see because i believe very passionately and very strongly that each of us is that spark each of us has mm -hmm. our own gifts and for me purpose isn't about i have to do some great thing or you know be some great thing for me purpose no, is no. How, how we live how we show up and it's not what we do it's how we do it mm. so what kind of a person am I being? How much am I stepping into my my true being? What is that? How much am I exploring and trying to discover who I am and, and really connect with that and be that? So the mm. beingness, the feel and the beingness. Yeah, yeah. And it's a challenge as well because, you know, like right now for me, um, I feel there's so many people I can help. I, I just know that without question. And you have to play the worldly game of visibility. And there's a whole truckload of stuff involved in becoming visible so that people can find you and can find your books and can find your workshops and can sign up for coaching and whatever else. Like you can do your best, but ultimately uh, the ones who will find you are the ones who are ready for your message, what you've come to deliver. Can I, can I just add in, by the way, in case people aren't aware, that any of my books are available on Amazon, except for, uh, we didn't mention how to get fired up when feeling locked down. That's very relevant for now, uh, but oh, that's available on cnobound.co.uk. Uh, that's that's a, a downloadable version. Yeah, but otherwise Amazon. Uh, yeah, because basically until you, until, you, until people discover that you exist, then uh, you're limited in what message you can get out there. So I'd like to thank you for this opportunity of discussing with you um, on Facebook here uh, and on your Facebook group, uh, because I know you've got a, a fantastic group here and it's, it's a great opportunity to be able to speak to more people. Uh, and everybody knows somebody who's dealing with cancer diagnosis for starters everybody knows somebody who's dealing with fear of the future with insecurity right now in the world we're living in uh fear of job loss fear of what government's going to be elected <laughs> fear of all kinds of things there's no shortage of fear but there's also no shortage of love so um like you don't have to be isolated there are people like us who are like ready and willing to support you and listen to you and guide you uh, we've made the journey, and so we're in a position now to be able to, and you know, the journey continues, but in a position to help others find their way. And that to me is what matters most. Um, so yes, if anybody is interested in, in following up with any sessions, I hope that they will look me up, um, I'd, you know, uh, um, yeah, uh, for, for uh, a, a private discussion, a private conversation for coaching or whatever, you know, public talks, whatever it is, because it's important to, to offset the balance of the negative. It is so important. And that's what I love about your books, because they open up, as I was saying earlier, that sense of potential, that sense of possibility. 
and quite often if we are feeling uh, negative and we're feeling fear, all we see are limitations, all we see are dead ends and blockages. But your book is mm. like a light coming on. It's like somebody opening a door and showing that there's so much more out there, so much more world to see, so much, so many more choices and options than we may have thought. So mm. I think I would highly recommend anybody who's watching now or on the replay, read some of Odette's books, read some of her mm. writings, you know, go to see you speak or, or watch any of the lives that you've done because it's so you have such an important message and such an inspiring uplifting message which is so important at this time that sense of there is so much more to life that we have all this potential and that we can connect because we are we have so much more in common than we have difference yeah yeah and not to get hooked into fighting the fights uh, of diversity you know, there can be unity in diversity. There doesn't have to be, uh, you know, and that's really important that love all and serve all, let every each to their own. Let everybody lead the life they choose without our judgment. Judgment locks us into the ego. And so choose love instead. You know, uh, opinions basically block love. And we're full of them. I'm no exception. I have some opinions too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's when we become aware of them. We can then explore that. We need constant self-management, like observing what the mind is doing. And, you know, that's the thing. The mind, it's like, if you think about it, we are the sky. And the mind is like uh, the clouds going by. You can just notice them. Notice the thoughts that are occurring. And uh, in a way, you know, there's an, an analogy between the mind and a mad monkey. If you ever think of going on a holiday to some foreign country, and you see this monkey, what 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 are you guaranteed to see? The monkey grab onto something like somebody's hat and run away with it. And that's us chasing after the mind. <laughs> Instead of like observing what thoughts are happening and deciding which ones we want to chase, the ones that are empowering or the ones that are disempowering. Because we gotta choose, then you're the observer. You are awareness making a conscious choice what the mind will be doing and then you become a master of the mind rather than a slave of the mind and this is the access as well to navigating your way through all this trickery that's around us <laughs> all the false information you know yeah. first just to know that you are the observer you're the observer yeah be the observer yeah yeah so i'm wondering how new is this to the people uh, in your group what we're discussing i think because it's such a lovely group for many of them they are already on this journey yeah and i think yeah. that's why they've been attracted to come together because yeah the group is is for those who are already at least looking at least open to the possibilities and starting to make these explorations which yeah. is why i was so delighted to welcome you to this group because i think the message that you have to share is spot on the people are there ready primed to to listen and to hear what you have to say oh good, so good. I'd, like to, yeah, I'd like to thank you so very much again odette for coming and joining us on the group and sharing some of your wonderful 
books and your wisdom and just your your grace and beauty and light here with us. Oh, thank you so much, Robin. Right back at you. <laughs> it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Um, and yeah, I look forward to engaging in your group a little bit. I've just joined the group. Yes, so I'm going to be in there as well. So if anybody has any questions, I'll see them and uh, feel free to direct message me otherwise as well. Brilliant. Yes. So I've got a yeah. post up as well about introducing, you know, people to introduce themselves. So yeah. Feel free, do post and okay. yes, if anybody watches this or sees Odette on the group and would like to connect, please do so. Uh, yeah. So I will round it up for now. And again, thank you so much, Odette. I hope you all have a wonderful day and a wonderful rest to your of your week. Bye bye for now. Bye. <laughs>